1: All right, Casey, so I always like to ask people this. It's kind of an open-ended question, so whatever really jumps out to you is is the right answer here, but what were you like growing up, and, and what stands out to you about your childhood?
0: You know, I think I was probably uh, a shy kid, you know, l- looking back and, uh, you know, uh, at a younger age, and uh, we lived out in the country, so I didn't grow up like in a neighborhood, so I kind of grew up on a farm, and so... Uh you're kinda isolated out there, so I think that tends to, to lead you down that road where you're a little more reserved and quiet, a little more uh a little more country, I guess.
1: What I guess what drew you to music and, and when did you begin to connect with music? Not even necessarily playing music, but just as something maybe you really enjoyed as a as, you know, a, a, a hobby or, or listening to music, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think I think everyone uh,
1: can look back and
0: music and there's at some point in their life where music goes from being background noise, uh, from you in the back seat of your parents' car, it's just something you're listening to, to having meetings. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, talk for most people that that moment, uh, sets in somewhere about the time you start uh, your dating life and, uh, you know, you get your heart broke or, 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 or that direction you, uh, the songs start to mean a little more. You start to understand some of that pain. And so, uh, you know, definitely getting heartbroken is what leads me, led me towards, uh, you know, trying to find that deep meaning in songs and, and, and listening and, and changing. And, and, you know, you feel that relation to, to people that write those songs.
1: All right. So I stink at anything that involves the arts. Uh, I guess maybe if writing is a part of the arts, I'm okay at that. But, like, I can't sing, I can't dance. Uh, I can't draw, paint any of that. I'm horrible at playing instruments. My choir teacher told me that she would pass me in sixth grade as long as I promised not to sing during the concert. But I do remember that I think like the recorder, well, maybe like the Glockenspiel or whatever those things are when you're in first grade and you just like hit a, you know, a deal. Uh, but like, what was the first instrument you played, or or what was the when was the first time you you did something musically that you remember?
0: You know, I didn't start, I started writing songs uh, in in high school. I guess they were songs, in my mind they were songs, but I didn't play guitar. Uh, I tried to to play a little bit. My grandpa played guitar, and he really loved it. And so, uh, you know, I tried to get into it. uh, You know, we didn't have any money for guitar lessons or any of that stuff, or maybe even to have a guitar, I don't even know. Uh, But I didn't get into it. And then I went to, when I got to college, uh, my roommate had just came back from, the military, so he was a little older, and he had a couple of guitars and played, and it really sparked the, the fire again to to learn. So I went home, my grandpa gave me an old beater guitar, and I just started teaching myself how to play. And then, uh, you know, you get a little better and a little better, and I started putting some music to it. So really probably 18, 19, freshman year of college is when I actually started where I could uh, play and, and sing a song and starting to put some music and ideas to, to, to these songs
1: that I've been writing. So this wasn't something where, like, people who listen to your stuff now or, uh, you know, are aware of what you're doing are going to come up with stories. Like, man, I remember, you know, when Casey was five, he was such a star. It, this was more <laughs> of, like, something that developed later in, in your, your uh, adolescence, I guess, for you.
0: Oh, 100%. You know, I just I, – and, and something that was a complete hobby, you know, just a couple of years in and just – even when we started playing in some bars, it wasn't – I just never thought that this would be what I did for a living, you know. Everyone dreams of something awesome. Uh, but uh, you know, I just didn't it's so hard and tough to make it that it's just one of those things you just I did it because I liked it and uh man just looking back now, almost 20 years in, it's it's amazing.
1: All right, so I guess when you were growing up, if if it wasn't like you were determined to be a, a you know a music star and, and what you're doing now what is it that you wanted to do or what were the things that you really kind of uh were drawn to from a you know a hobby standpoint but maybe uh you know a, something that you thought like I can do this when I'm older like this is what I want to be when I grow up type of thing
0: right uh you know I got into uh to team roping a little bit right there towards the uh the end of high school and, and, and same time frame and so you know wanted to wanted a rodeo just probably wasn't good enough and didn't start early enough to to really be on that level uh but it's something I still loved and enjoyed and uh I taught school for for a year after college and I, it didn't take very long to figure out that was definitely not my path <laughs> uh, God bless all the teachers out there I'm that kid man uh <laughs> we I don't know how they do it, but, but thank god some some of them want to do it Uh and then uh, I started doing working in like commercial, uh, commercial uh, sales for like a construction company. Did a lot of fencing, and then uh, kind of got into a position where I bought that company. And then, uh, or the the guy that ran it like worked me out a deal where I could buy it through him. He had somebody make him do that for him, and so helped me get going on my own and uh, started that. And I did that till 2008, so six years into the band. I was still running that business. So uh, I think my move would have been. Somewhere in construction, somewhere in uh, real estate it was kind of where I, my passions lied.
1: Now, you're a big sports fan, and that's how we met, and and that's how our friendship formed, was uh, your love for sports, particularly the, the DFW sports scene and, and obviously my involvement in it. Were you an athlete growing up? Was Were you a sports fan growing up? How, how did you develop a, an interest in sports?
0: You know, like everybody else, I played uh, a little soccer, a little little uh baseball uh up until high school, and then high school uh i got into uh, i played golf my dad got into playing golf uh, really late in life now my grandpa was a great golfer still has a course record uh where shot 59 once. oh wow uh yeah, that's with uh, you know wooden drivers so uh, <laughs> he, he was a serious player people said he could have played on the tour, but back then it didn't pay a lot of money to go play on the tour in the in the sixties, so he uh, just stayed home but a great, great local player. My dad got into it. He didn't start playing until his 40s. And then he was a scratch golfer in a couple of years, which is still, I can't, I can't figure out how he did that. Cause uh, I haven't played my whole life and can't figure out how to be a scratch golfer. But, <laughs> uh, I played high school golf, uh, first team all district there in, uh, in Burleson. And I was pretty good. Uh, and, uh, that was kind of my sport but I, I just, I love, uh, I love the competition. And, uh, Man, I do love our, our local sports teams, for sure.
1: All right. Now, you mentioned that you were working when the band formed uh, for several years. When did the, the Casey Donahue band form, and, and how did it come about?
0: So, 2002 was our first year that we started playing the show. And uh, just local. It started at a, an acoustic concert uh, of another guy, local Fort Worth guy. At the end of his night, he he let me get up and I sing a song to I don't know fifty or sixty people whoever was there and, and the the bar owner asked me if I wanted to come do a Wednesday night acoustic on my own. Which looking back they were probably horrific. Uh, I don't even know if I knew ten songs at that point. So we started doing Wednesdays and I did every Wednesday there for a while and started building it up. My uh, wife who was my girlfriend then uh, kind of took the reins of. Uh, of the management, which she still does, uh, does today. So it's, uh, we've really built this thing together from, from, from scratch. And, uh, you know, once you kind of get into the scene and playing some bars and you kind of meet other musicians, put together bands, start doing band shows. And then, you know, then it's the fight of trying to get a song on the radio, trying to, trying to reach fans, trying to play more venues. And, you know, back then it was just so different. Uh, you know, there wasn't the social media there is now to really, connect to people. So it was all, you know, you're, you're beating the phone books up, trying to just call bars and venues and get a show and let somebody play, you know, let, let somebody play somewhere. And so uh, a couple of years then we were lucky the, the ranch had started having these competitions, like a nightly countdown where it was like a battle between two songs. And uh, Stockyards got, got added to the battle and ended up winning for several weeks. I, I don't know what it was. And so then they just started playing in rotation. You know, it was one of those things that just really took hold and, and really launched this thing uh launched this thing forward.
1: So that's interesting. and I guess I, I take that for granted that now you can tweet, you know, whatever it is that you're doing and, and you have a platform and an audience that can uh you know, help you share whatever it is you're trying to get out, but that wasn't the case when you were starting. So you mentioned phone books, like what what was the strategy there? I mean, did you guys all split up like, hey, you've got a through C, and and you've got D through F. Or like, how, what was the method to to the madness of uh, really trying to get the the word out?
0: Well, it's it's probably a pretty big secret that I'm really really lazy. So I, I would that's probably a <laughs> Melinda question because I feel like she's done everything that was really hard, and I just kind of wrote songs <laughs> and wrote her coattails uh, the whole way. But it was just you know everything local. I mean, she's calling. Back then, we, we would play like at Jay Gillingtons over in Arlington by the ballpark. Uh, he'd let us come in and play the little the little back room had a little little tiny stage, and we'd play little places in Fort Worth. And then uh, once the Stockyards get started getting played, uh, there was kind of a buzz, and it was right when MySpace started. So I give a lot of credit to MySpace for uh, really launching, helping us launch our careers. It was the first social media platform. It was free. You posted your music for free. You connected with fans. And uh, so we went from stockyards in the DFW area, pretty big. You know, you got it. There's a really big area here where well, we're playing these bars around here. And all of a sudden, all these high school kids are going off to college. The so next thing you know, we have this little following uh, in Wichita Falls, in College Station, in Lubbock. And uh, really, it was kids from here going there. And then that was a big area a big point in time when, when the, the burn CD was a real big player, you know, that was uh Napster's out there ripping off music. And so all these kids are burning CDs and CDs and kind of a, uh, we really found a niche in that rodeo community. And it's been a thing in the rodeo community. You can go back to, to the days of Chris Ledoux, where all these kids would trade, trade records, trade uh, tapes, Eight tracks. I don't know how far back it goes, but hey, man, you listen to this, and I'll see you at the next rodeo, and we'll trade something else. And so we really found this little niche in this rodeo community, and it really helped spread us to the rest of the, the country, the state, uh, through the underground channels.
1: That's that's really interesting. So, uh, would you say that the the burn like the the CD burning era? I know that it it took perhaps money off the table for some artists, but do you think that ultimately it helped, or do you think it it was more negative for people like yourself?
0: No, it 100% was positive for me. Uh, You know, people weren't going to go buy a Casey Donahue record. First of all, you couldn't buy it. Where would you go buy it? You know, that was the thing. We weren't carried in Walmart and Target and, uh, you know, a few mom-and-pop places. As we got further along and bigger in our career, we sold enough tickets that we, we garnered enough, enough attention that people would pay attention and, and didn't even care to sell your record. So back then, if they didn't burn it or get it out, you know, maybe the, I, I can't remember how exactly MySpace worked, but you could go and listen. I could put, like, maybe it was four or five songs, and you could listen to them as much as you wanted on MySpace. And so I don't know if that was a way that was burned or, or not, but... Uh, it really it really helped us. Now, you know, maybe it hurt Metallica, but they got plenty of money. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I want to get back into the band, but before I do, I I I'm curious who your influences were back then and and maybe as you started to get going, did you have mentors in the industry who really helped you then and, and maybe even now? Who who are some of those really important figures for you?
0: You know, the the thing that kind of really led me down this path this path is, is Pat Green. I mean, what he did, and he was one of those first guys that I really got into. Uh, him, you know, from Pat, kind of kind of really got into Robert R. Pat Green. Well, Pat Green really changed this whole scene. I mean, he turned an independent artist into... He took it to the next level that, that no one's... I've never seen anyone do it before. Maybe you go back to Dave Matthews or something like that in a different genre, but similar type thing where a guy's making crazy money he's selling out arenas and he doesn't have a record deal he doesn't, have any, he doesn't have a song on the radio he doesn't have a top 10 uh and and that was just so amazing to me and i'd go watch him these stories he interact and he just felt like he was talking to me he's such a great stage presence and uh you know from pat pat kind of led into you know when ragweed uh was really rocking out there early 2000s i mean they were rock stars and uh uh randy rogers and, and and so but when we started we didn't know anybody else it was a a fort worth scene a bunch of those guys lived in uh, austin uh new Bronzeville. they all had these booking agents we didn't have a booking agent we had melinda calling everybody on the phone so i didn't have any friends that could really help help further my career about hey you know once you come open 20 shows in a row for me and probably sold out crowds so But just we didn't know anybody and we'd kinda of do so we just did it ourselves. It was just underground. We would play random random places. We would rent places and put on our own shows. Uh you know, we just did it the hard way. Uh but uh, you know, it worked for us. And and now, you know, Pat Pat's a really good friend. Uh, he doesn't live very far from me. Our kids go to school together, talk to him all the time. Ranger Rogers, Wade Bowen, we uh uh You know these friendships that are built over decades. uh, Guys that, you know, with or without music, will still be friends. Kevin Fowler, one of my one of my really close friends, and Josh Abbott. So I've kind of built this little network through through years and decades, and uh, now it's all it's all really smooth sailing.
1: Okay, so you know one of the things when you you look up Casey Donahue, it it says Texas country. Is that? A limitation or is that a genre like is that something you embrace or would you rather just be considered a country musician which which you are but would you rather shed the texas country label or is that something that you embrace as a part of your identity
0: no you know i think i'm okay with it and you know people ask there's always this debate red dirt texas country texas music uh nashville country mainstream country you know i I kind of just tell people that I make Casey Donahue music, and whatever genre you think that falls into, I guess you can sort sort your music player however you want. But I've always had the exact same uh, formula, the same. I go about writing songs very similar, just uh, hopefully anything you do for for two decades, you get better at as you go. And so uh, that's one of those things where I just... uh, you know, I don't think too much about it. People ask me to do it. I say, I, I make, I make, I'm from Texas, and I make music. So if you want to call it Texas music, there you go.
1: All right. So, I, you know, I said I wanted to get back into the band, and, you know, I, I'm involved uh, daily in sports conversations, and the idea of a team is super important, and you are a part of a team. So I guess I'm curious, uh, how does being a part of a team on the music side work and in your team, just like a sports team has the athletes and then the coaches and the front office and, and whatnot. I mean, you have the musicians and, and you have people like you mentioned Melinda and, uh, you know, people who aren't necessarily playing the music, but, uh, let's, let's start with just the musicians. How do you, what's important in, in being a part of a music team?
0: You know, it's, it's one of those things that's, that, that, that chemistry, you know, you, you hear you guys talk about it on the radio, and, and I, I'm sure the average person at home is like, who cares? You know, what does it matter? Let's find the best five players or the best, you know, let's find the best, he's the best wide receiver in football, so it doesn't matter if he's a cancer in the locker room. And I'm telling you, it does. There is nothing more important than chemistry. I will take, I'll take less talent every day over the right person. And, uh, you know, you've got to be able to get along with people. You spend so much time with them, whether it be in a bus or a locker room or an airplane or if you're flying from from a sporting event to sporting event. You know, it's, it's, it's so important to get along with the people you're in that small room with. Uh, it, it changes everything. You know, you go through those like situations, and I'm sure the same in, in sports, where you don't realize it, and then all of a sudden that person's gone, and it's like a breath of fresh air hit the whole room. Everybody in the room, spirits lifted, and they're like, golly, that guy was dragging us all down.
1: Is there ever, I I don't know, like, if there's ever a power struggle, but the band is the Casey Donahue Band, and obviously, uh, you know, knowing you, you're not someone who uh, is not going to recognize, as you you just kind of did with that answer, you're not going to recognize the work of others, but has, has there ever been a conflict or an issue because... It's the Casey Donahue band and and other people, a part of your band, feel slighted, or I I, I don't know. I'm sure it's not an issue, but I know that for some people, the you know ego can get in the way at times. Has that ever come up or been an issue?
0: You know, I think that's always an underlying an issue where people, people, uh, you know, and I'm sure it's the same way with with the guy who looked across the room at the thirty-five million dollar quarterback and thinks, "Why is this guy getting paid four times what I'm getting paid?" And it's just uh, part of it. Quarterbacks get paid, you know. Uh, and it's, uh, I don't know if it's ever been an overwhelming issue, but, you know, I think there's definitely some of that. You, you know, I, you, I hear about it with other bands and other groups, and, uh, you know, everyone runs their organization a little different. This one is, is mine and, and Melinda, and we built it from the ground up. And we have decades invested, you know, just in branding. And, and, and so it's really important. That name's really important to us, and, it you know, it means more to
1: us. All right, you, a lot of times when, uh, you know, we talk, you're in this city or that city or this state or that state. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've seen you with your kids and, and, you know, I know you bring them to sporting events and, and spend as much time with them as you can. But there is a, a portion of your life that is lived away from them on the road. How, how do you balance being a dad and a husband uh, while also maintaining the focus and, and energy that you need for your job? and And I guess you know making sure that you're giving as much as you can to both elements
0: it's very tough you're talking about the the one thing that that that's that's the hardest thing to do especially for where I'm at in my career and where I'm at uh, in my kids' ages uh, you know and uh just making sure uh you know I wrote it in one of my uh in one of my records a couple of records ago and I just I thanks my kids for the unknowing sacrifice that they make because they don't know another life. This is the only life they've, they've ever known. Dad's gone on the weekend, almost every weekend, and then we're home. We're home. So my, my goal is always, when I'm home, I want to be home. So uh, I involve my kids with everything I do. Like you said, you'll, you'll see me at, at sporting events on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and i got both kids toting around. And, uh, you know, got to make time for your wife, and uh, it's a uh, – it's a struggle for sure. It's, uh, it's really important. Uh, you know, I try to help coach my kids' teams when I can and when I can be there. And uh, sometimes I'm flying back and forth. I've, I've flown two or three times in a, in a day just to try to catch a try to catch my ten year old. You know, pitch a baseball game. So it's uh, it's one of those things I try to make sure I don't forget uh, forget them.
1: Now you mentioned earlier that heartbreak really influenced you early on in songwriting and then just a second ago you you know you mentioned writing a, a song kind of dedicated to your kids you bring and a lot of songwriters do you, you bring your life uh, into your music has that ever been an issue has there ever been like shoot do i want to publicize this even though you're not necessarily coming out and saying x y and z happened you know you're your fans and listeners can kind of tell, well, if he's singing about it, then maybe that's an experience that happened to him. Has there ever been, I guess, a, a gray area or a blurred line where you're like, I don't know if I really want to, to turn this into a song, this part of my life? Or is it just kind of a part of the way you go about things where, hey, if it happens in my life, uh, the best way for me to deal with it is, is to turn it into a song and to turn it into something that people can enjoy?
0: You know, there's a couple a couple of sides of that. You know, usually I, I, I don't I don't try to hold anything back, and I'll, I'll throw it out there. And there's been a few times when, I, when I've discussed it, but you know, I think one of my, my specialties is, for some reason, just think one of the things I'm good at is uh, is really writing this heartbreak song. Although I've been I've been in a pretty strong relationship for 20 years, so it's always one of the things I just write these gut wrenching like I have the most the most horrible breakup you could ever imagine all the time. And so my wife just stares at me like, got any love songs in there at all? And I'm like, no, I'm, just, I'm not good at that. That's not what I'm uh, good at. I just have this knack for telling the story about getting your, uh, getting your heart ripped out of your chest. And so that's one of the ones that, uh, <laughs> yeah, she'll give me the sideways look every once in a while. And then a couple of records ago, my wife grew up in a pretty tough song. Uh, she grew up really tough. Uh, with domestic abuse and stuff like that. And so I wrote a song kind of about her life. And so it was one of those things that I want to put that out there. And so I kind of talked to her about it and she wanted to, and she was okay with talking about it. And so uh, a song called Put the Bottle Down uh, that I wrote maybe three records ago. But that was one of those situations where it's kind of like, uh, you know, do we go with this or is this something for us? And she wanted to put it out.
1: All right. Last thing I want to ask you, is there anything left that you'd like to accomplish? Are you happy with, with where you are? Do you still, I mean, you're, you're a dad and, and a husband, and I know that when that comes into play, maybe that changes someone's ambitions or, you know, what, what's important to them. What, what do you still want to accomplish? What's, what's next for you? Uh, and, and what are those challenges that you're still really fighting on a, on a daily basis from a professional standpoint?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I'm always just gonna follow the follow the road in front of me for sure. I mean, I just, you know, this path that we're on has has been successful. I've always thought, you know, if this all ended tomorrow, I could look back and say, man, that was that was pretty amazing. What what a run that was! That was a pretty good that was a pretty good couple of decades. Uh, I still think we got some great music in front of us, and it seems like every year every year still gets bigger and bigger. And so, uh, you know what? I mean, I'm gonna keep pedaling down the road. Uh, you know the dreams of selling out AT&T Stadium are you know like you know probably faded uh, for where I, I, I am and, and what I want to do. But uh, you know I think we got a lot of years of good music still ahead of us. So we're just gonna keep making music and hopefully the fans keep showing up. And if we uh, kind of stay right here on this uh, roller coaster one I think it'll be all right.